0: This is the fourth episode in our series of podcasts in which members of the SB Commercial Disputes team discuss some key topics that we hope will be helpful and useful to our listeners. Today we'll be considering termination of an agreement, what it is, what it means to a business relationship, and how to do it. I'm Catherine Penny, a partner in the Disputes team, and I'm Lucy Hall, an associate in the Disputes team. Thanks, Lucy, for joining me today. Um, Now, termination is an extremely big subject, and to discuss all of its nuances would simply take too long uh, than we have to talk about today on this podcast. So we're just going to cover a few basic but quite important concepts. And can you kick us off, please?
1: Well, many of the commercial disputes that we see involve termination in one shape or another, and so it's really important that commercial parties have an awareness as to what it is and how it can be invoked. A contract can come to an end naturally, i.e. the contract has run for the agreed fixed term or the parties have agreed that it will come to an end early. But a contract can also come to an end where the parties fall out and one side terminates the agreement,
0: or tries to at least, and we're going to be focusing on that today. Yes, we like focusing on the bit where people fall out and they're trying to resolve their differences. But before we come on to that bit, I just want to mention very briefly a couple of other concepts which we're not going to be covering in detail today but are often thought about uh, at a similar time to termination the first is force majeure and the second is frustration force majeure is a contractual um get out if particular circumstances arise one party or both parties are excused from performing their side of the bargain and we've seen lots of discussion about this following the pandemic but we're not going to be covering that here frustration is another get out if it's no longer possible for the contract to be performed. It's very rarely used because it's a bit niche and we're not going to be talking about that here. So going back to there's been a falling out and the parties can't work together going forward. Clients often come to us and say that they want to get out of the contract. They're fed up and they want to leave the other party behind them. Can you explain a little bit, Lucy, about how a party might know if it has the right to terminate a contract? Well, there are two main sources for a party's
1: termination rights, the first being the contract itself. Now, it's impossible for even the best drafted agreements that we see to set out all of the circumstances that give rise to a right to terminate. But there are some common examples that do find their way into agreements. So these are if a party fails to meet minimum performance targets. If a party enters into bankruptcy, administration or liquidation, if a party ceases to carry on business generally, if a party's financial position deteriorates sufficiently that its ability to give effect to the terms of the contract are at risk, and finally, if a party commits a material breach of the contract that isn't capable of remedy, and the contract
0: itself might actually set out what a material breach is. And I think it's fair to say that sometimes contracts don't give a contractual right to terminate. one side of the the bargain, for example. So if it's not in the contract, where else might people look to find a source of a a right to terminate? So where the contract
1: doesn't identify a particular event giving rise to a termination right, the aggrieved party may still have a right to terminate under common law. And what do you mean by common law? Well, common law are the legal principles that have been established from centuries and centuries of court decisions relating to termination of contracts.
0: Yes, we like a bit of case law, and they tell us that a party has a right to terminate for the most serious of breaches, but not for any old breach, only breaches which deprive the other party from basically the entire benefit of the contract, and these are called repudiatory breaches, where if you're the wronged party, you can end the contract and claim damages from the other side for not keeping to their side of the bargain. It's very difficult to know what constitutes a repudiatory breach in isolation, every scenario will be different, but typical repudiatory breaches might be where a party abandons the contract and refuses to deliver goods or there's a delay in delivery and time is of the essence or critical in, in the terms of the contract. And so effectively this means there may be
1: some overlap here between the common law position and what a contract may say about terminating for a material breach. So, Catherine, if there is a position where a party has a right to terminate for a repudiatory breach or under the contract, how does it go about doing it?
0: Well, it's important to stress that a repudiatory breach doesn't end the contract automatically. The aggrieved party, the wronged party, has to actually do something about it. And for that party, it first needs to think about what the contract actually says about notifying the other side of termination. Normally, there'll be some kind of obligation to notify the party in writing, probably in unequivocal terms, that it's terminating the contract and setting out its reasons for doing so. So positive steps need to be taken so that there's no confusion about the decision to terminate. And one thing which is important to
1: flag here is that if a party has decided to terminate the contract, it mustn't delay this decision unnecessarily and certainly mustn't take any measures that could be perceived as allowing the contract to continue, as it could then be argued that the aggrieved party is affirming the contract. And this could mean that the right to terminate for a repudiatory
0: breach might be lost. Agreed, doing nothing is potentially dangerous in this scenario. And getting the mechanics of termination right is very important. So sending a notice of termination without having the right to do so, or sending a notice that's ambiguous or doesn't set out the basis for termination may seriously backfire for the terminating party. Wrongfully trying to terminate may give the other side an argument that the terminating party itself has committed a repudiatory breach, and that would allow the other side to terminate. So it's a bit of an own own goal uh, in that situation. And I'm conscious that what we've discussed so far um, is quite technical and legalistic in focus. So I wondered if in the closing minutes we could just cover off a few practical and commercial considerations that a party considering termination ought to be aware of.
1: Yes, so I think it's worth saying that termination can be quite a nuclear option and it's likely to have a really damaging effect on the business relationship This may seem an obvious point, but if there is a termination, then the terminating party needs to make sure it has a backup plan in place. So, for example, there's another supplier to take over. Also, it's worth bearing in mind that although termination means an end to the party's obligations under the contract, some may survive, such as maintaining confidentiality. And there may also be obligations on a party to return or destroy documents or equipment that it has in its possession.
0: Good points. And I think a party should also think carefully about whether termination is really the desired outcome here, really what they want to achieve, because in the heat of the moment, they might want to think they want the contract to come to an end. Um, There might have been a termination event, but perhaps the contract could be varied or renegotiated or one of the dispute resolution procedures specified in the contract or not. you know just using mediation or negotiation could be used to find a resolution to help the parties work together going forward it's also worth thinking about whether it might in fact be more beneficial for the wronged party to affirm the contract to hold the other side to their bargain because there might be exclusions or limits of liability under the contract that might actually um restrict their recovery of of losses and also It might be that receiving the specific contractual payments might actually work out better for them than going into the relatively unknown scenario of terminating, having a big fallout and then trying to claim for losses from the other side. Absolutely. A key commercial considerations. Well, Catherine, I think that if
1: nothing else, we have shown that there is a lot to the topic of termination. And as we said at the beginning, we've only been able to cover off a few of the key themes today. So if any of our audience listening do have any specific questions, then please do get in touch with us.
0: Thanks, Lucy. Up next in the series, uh, we're going to be talking about disclosure and document retention. So look out for that. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.